nya 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 pa mba babwe zimbabwe <clears throat> the broken bunsen burner burns so bright south jamie southeast asian peninsula hey, hey jamie yes i think the only line we need from you today is drivers who switch to progressive could say big Cool. I just got to finish my warm-ups. <clears throat> foul, foul, throw in the towel. History, history. Switch history, to Progressive history. today. Santa ski slalom in a salmon skin suit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. Kunal, I'm going to get straight to the point right away. Kimi Raikkonen for James Bond. Yeah, I don't think there's any better candidate anywhere in the world whatsoever. Yes, yes, but I was just going to welcome everyone to the Inside Line F1 podcast. Kunal, Kimi Raikkonen for James Bond. Can we talk about that? Yes, we can and I agree that Kimi Raikkonen is one awesome personality. to have as James Bond not just personality his attitude and guess what he's actually quick on four as well as on two wheels so yeah and much... he looks the part <laughs> and i'm sure he enjoys his martini shaken not stirred uh, i think he drinks vodka but okay <laughs> or he drinks everything <laughs> but guys we're back after about a 10 day break i had a sore throat so my apologies for that it's kunal's fault guys <laughs> <laughs> I was all ready to come and you know talk to you guys and then it was all canal. Yeah and then Mithila fell down a dam so she had like <laughs> almost a broken hip but damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but back to Kimi Raikkonen because uh, I think his Instagram stories definitely uh, you know add to the fact that Kimi Raikkonen should be the next James Bond. It's almost like he's auditioning for the role because I remember there was this one uh, video of him climbing up what looked like a pipe. and then you know he was jumping into the pool of course with a lovely caption one of those captions that he's so famous for and uh, just like james bond kimi raikkonen knows what he's doing it's like he's almost his own authority yeah and kunal if raikkonen does become the next bond as per our very you know evolved recommendation he should just write his own dialogues or shoot them off impromptu because his instagram <laughs> captions my god they're amazing <laughs> yes so ladies and gentlemen in this week's episode of the inside line f1 podcast mithila's gotten extremely excited so she is going to keep talking about Kimi Raikkonen as the next James Bond as always <laughs> and we add our angle to the always ongoing controversy on tires in formula 1 driving and now race strategy we wonder what next role with Lewis Hamilton take up and how Roman Grosjean might just be the reason why Nico Hulkenberg is retained at Renault in 2020 Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcast, Audio Boom, and every other listening platform for your weekly dose of Formula One humor. Awesome. So, Kunal, you know, uh, on this podcast, we've actually assigned so many roles to Kimi Raikkonen. It's because partly because I'm obsessed with him. But yeah, <laughs> I really uh, I enjoyed it when we said that uh, Kimi Raikkonen should be appointed as the vice president for his number two status at Ferrari. Yes, and I must say I do feel bad for Lewis Hamilton. You know, for all of Hamilton's entertaining ways, his popularity, and his, his Britishness. Yes, and his Britishness. <laughs> 
you know, Lewis Hamilton is actually losing out to Kimi Raikkonen for the role of James Bond, at least on our podcast, which means pretty much in real life as well. Yeah, right? it means a lot. Anyway, Knall, I found it so ironic and, you know, so funny when Nico Rosberg said that Raikkonen, uh, if he'd worked harder in Formula One, would have achieved so much more. <laughs> you know, anybody but Nico Rosberg should be the one yeah. saying that. Uh, but... Um, I must say, Nico Rosberg's content is really good. It's insightful, but somehow it always feels like he's overdoing it to sort of remain relevant in Formula 1. Gunal, I'm going to ask the question, do you think Ferrari replaced the wrong driver at the end of last year? I can only imagine what a Leclerc-Raikkonen pairing would have been like for Ferrari. Well, Sebastian Vettel's had the worst 12 months of his Formula 1 career, literally from Germany last year and up until Germany, which is next. And uh, that said, guys, brace for replays after replays of that mistake from Sebastian Vettel from last year. It's pretty much going to be everywhere you log into, (laughs) on television, on social media and all of that. And uh, back to what you asked about a Leclerc-Raikkonen pairing. I think Silverstone offered us a very obvious reference. You know, we saw a sharp, precise and a measured Charles Leclerc. And especially when he was under attack from, you know, Max Verstappen. And, you know, we all know what you go through probably when you're under attack from Max Verstappen. And on the other hand, of course, we had literally a lousy and an amateurish Sebastian Vettel. So a lot of uh, catching up to do perception as well as speed wise for Sebastian Vettel as he reaches his anniversary of, you know, what was is the worst mistake of his career <laughs> that we will all remember him for. Oh, speaking of Vettel, so he said that um, his continuation in Formula 1 in 2021 would depend on the rules of the sport. And Kunal, guess who's involved in riding the rules? Romain Grosjean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember we said this in our previous episode that we could actually blame Marcus Ericsson for tyre issues that could come up next year because he was testing uh, the 2020 tyres for Pirelli. And now it's actually time to add one more driver to the list Uh, of drivers to blame in case we have the wrong tyres in 2020 because Sebastian Buemi was testing Pirelli's tyres. I think this was last week. And he had a high-speed crash at Silverstone and they had to actually halt the test prematurely. Ouch. Kunal, you know what? I am sensing a conspiracy because it almost seems like all these drivers racing outside of Formula 1 are acting in a particular manner to get Formula 1 not-so-good tyres next year. (laughs) Ericsson and now Buemi, like, come on. Yes, I would have never thought of it that way, but thank you. Yes, that's yeah. that's what you get on the Inside Line F1 podcast. Some <laughs> alternate views on the world of Formula One. Yeah, guys, we're also uh, Kunal. We're also missing a very crucial point about Silverstone, because guys, we watched the race at a screening organized in Mumbai, Bombay, by Kasakai Mumbai, and it was amazing. Absolutely, and we had lots of fans, a lot of listeners in attendance and it was just so much fun to talk and laugh out loud about Formula 1. Yeah, so if you're a Formula 1 fan in Mumbai, guys, this is a community we definitely recommend connecting with. Thank you guys for a lovely time and uh, a shout out to the folks at Kasakai Mumbai. Right, so now back to the Vettel Leclerc uh, Ferrari incident. You know, the Italian media has labeled Leclerc as the little prince and are calling for Ferrari to treat him as their number one. And media reports aside, you know, if there's one driver who has shown himself to be capable to withstand 
a max attack is Charles Leclerc. And in my view, even a Lewis Hamilton doesn't possess the defense to keep a Max Verstappen at bay. Kunal, honestly, at the next race, I wonder if Lewis Hamilton is just going to jump out of his car, change his own tyres, jump back in and then drive and then win the race also. <laughs> you know, because as it stands, Lewis Hamilton is doing just so much more than racing at Mercedes. Yeah. Or maybe he'll be on the podium to collect the constructor's trophy as well as the driver's <laughs> trophy. You know, I was only laughing when I read out read the whole how Hamilton outfoxed the Mercedes engineers by, you know, running his own tyre strategy in Silverstone. And, of course, outfoxed uh, Valtteri Bottas as well. Yeah, I think in that case, it should be Lewis Hamilton who runs Ferrari's race strategy. Because <laughs> they definitely need help. But seriously, I am a bit tired of Formula 1 adding this whole uh, layer of greatness and just grandeur to the Lewis Hamilton uh, story every weekend. Literally, every every other weekend, right? Like, yeah. I mean, of course, he's really talented and, of course, he's amazing and all of that. But I am not going to be someone who succumbs to media hype and that's exactly what this feels like. Now guys, usually for people who listen to us every week, uh, it's me who goes on such a tirade. But welcome to the party, Marty. Finally, here I am, <laughs> fashionably late, but yeah. Right, so moving on. Renault admitted to focusing more on Daniel Ricciardo's races than Nico Hulkenberg. So they may not have the speed, but they're at least very honest. And uh, I really doubt if such honesty would ever come by from, say, a Ferrari or a Mercedes. Because um, they usually end up favouring one driver over the other. Especially in the case of Ferrari, they almost forget that they're racing with two cars. As we saw with Charles Leclerc at Silverstone as well. Yeah, and speaking of Mercedes, they've literally reached a whole new level after all. Uh, because the team states that both drivers are offering equal opportunity to win, blah, blah, blah. We know that's true, but now they're being outfoxed by Lewis Hamilton himself. So, I wonder how they're going to deal with this. I mean, while it's adding to Lewis Hamilton's greatness, it's making the team look pretty stupid. Well, and uh, McLaren might be the one looking stupid as well. Because there's news, and this is of course from Eddie Jordan, as you guys already know. He said that McLaren might switch to Mercedes power. And this could mean that Williams actually takes on either a Renault or a Honda. Now, usually, the reaction is that Eddie Jordan doesn't know what he's talking or he doesn't sound too different from, say, a Jacques Villeneuve. But when it comes to making comments about McLaren and Mercedes, Eddie actually has a very high prediction rate because it was back uh, in... uh, 2012 and I think he predicted uh, certain things. I remember he predicted that Michael Schumacher would return to Formula 1 with Mercedes and then he also predicted correctly that Lewis Hamilton would switch from McLaren to Mercedes. So great accuracy when it comes to these two brands and teams and it would be something to see McLaren reunite with Mercedes. Absolutely, you know, Kunal, it would be like reliving the past memories. Because that's when I actually started watching Formula One. It was actually uh, McLaren Mercedes all those years ago. With Kimi Raikkonen. With Kimi Raikkonen, yes. <laughs> and honestly, after Ron Dennis's decision to leave McLaren, the team could now be heading back to Mercedes power after losing, what, five years at the very minimum, but still. Can you imagine Fernando Alonso's plight? Like, he'd been wanting a Ferrari or a Mercedes. Mercedes car and now finally when McLaren could probably have a Mercedes engine he may not have the car so I don't think we need to explain no. the Fernando <laughs> or he could be back <laughs> well let's see with which team and uh, you know since going back to old days is like this thing that's a new theme in Formula 1 uh, Jean Todd has said uh, that uh, 
you know, refueling should be reconsidered in the sport as we rewrite truths for 2021. But more importantly, uh, the introduction of ground effects uh, to generate downforce, that's also on the table. And it's like going back to an aero concept that was introduced in the sport in the 1970s and was hugely popular back then. There are also fears that the cars could all look the same in 2021. But honestly, guys, I think that if we remove the paint job of all the cars, I don't think many of us will actually be able to pinpoint which car is which. That's true, actually. Yeah. yeah. And going back to what Jean Todt said about refueling, you know, personally, I loved the refueling era. Because that's when we, you know, kept second guessing how much fuel each driver had. But in this era of Formula One, you know, maybe sticking to create just fantastic wheel-to-wheel action should be the core principle. And honestly, I'm not sure how many of the new viewers would actually enjoy extreme strategic angles that, you know, refueling could bring back to Formula One. And also reliving the era gone by this weekend is Mercedes because they're running a commemorative livery. Uh, It's a white silver arrow, whatever you guys (laughs) think it is. I mean, honestly, I don't think anyone can match Red Bull Racing's livery game because Mercedes' attempt seems as though they ran out of white paint. (laughs) (laughs) Or they just realized that a fully white car might have uh, fans mistaking them for Williams, especially when the uh, Mercedes cars come up to lap the Williams cars, so (laughs) avoidable. Guys, we know why they're half silver and half white. Worry not, we've done our research. But can you imagine, it would be like two white cars at the front of the field and two white cars at the rear of the field. But uh, that's what would happen if, if we had four white cars out there. But A white bus rammed into the start lights on the Thursday of the German Grand Prix. And it's got nothing to do with the colour, guys. And we can actually confirm that it wasn't Sebastian Vettel who was driving that bus. What a relief. (laughs) But Kinala, that's brutal because I don't think any other driver has spun or lost control as many times as Vettel this season. That's actually so true because, you know, we we would keep piling on to Pastor Maldonado and Roman Grosjean and even Max Verstappen last year for all the number of mistakes they made. So why not Sebastian Vettel? Because he's been the one making most number of mistakes. But uh, it's so eerie, right? That a bus has actually come to sort of impact Formula 1 twice this season. Because uh, I remember the first time this happened, it was in Baku and it was with a McLaren. And this time now it's been the start lights at Germany. Strange other ways of Formula One. Kunal, uh, Jean Eric Wern won't mind coming back to Formula One if he's offered a seat by any of the top three teams. Um, interesting news, I'd say. And also, congrats to uh, Wern because he won his second Formula E title. Guys, he's the first ever driver to have two Formula E titles and have won them back to back. Kudos. Yeah, now now that we talk of Jean-Eric Wan, I really wonder if he could be the answer to Red Bull Racing's problems with Pierre Gasly. I mean, Red Bull Racing are anyway used to taking talent away from Formula E. <laughs> By the way, uh, speaking of Gasly, he finally got to use the mysterious Mode 11 on his Honda engine. The mode that he claims Verstappen's been using all season. So basically, Red Bull Racing have evolved from Multi 21 to Mode 11. That's mm. been the <laughs> that's been the succession between Sebastian Vettel and Max Verstappen. But uh, Daniel Ricciardo's move to Renault might actually not just cost him wins and podiums, but a lot of money as well. It seems that a former manager has taken him to court for his earnings over his Red Bull career and his switch to Renault. Just so much negativity around the whole 
Poor guy, yeah. poor guy. He deserves better. Renault is refusing to commit to Formula One till after 2020. So Kunal, I'd say Nico Hulkenberg's seat for next year is basically the least of their worries. But I believe that Ricardo and Hulkenberg probably deserve better because here's a team that's literally not committing more than 12, 18 months into the future, and. They're two really good drivers who Formula One would definitely want on the grid for many more years to come. But that said, I think Roman Grosjean might just save Nico Hulkenberg his seat at Renault, and uh, it 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 would be good coming because you know there's this talk of Esteban Ocon going back uh, coming back to Formula One with Haas. Finally, I'm going to ask the question which we've been asked several times on the podcast while we were away. Should a driver as experienced as Sebastian Vettel be allowed to keep his seat at Ferrari after what all he's gone through over the last 12 months? We sort of touched upon this a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, Kunal, I'd say that if Max Verstappen could turn around last year, I think it's time for Vettel to turn around this year. Finally, let's. I'd love to see that. Right. So on that prophetic note, here's Lucien with his moments in time section for the German Grand Prix. Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Today we shall look back on the history of the German Grand Prix. The old Nürburgring is infamous for the accident which nearly cost the life of Niki Lauda in 1976. Also known as the Green Hell, that track saw one of Jackie Stewart's greatest ever drives in 1968, when in foggy, rainy conditions, driving with a broken wrist, Jackie won by over four minutes. In 1999, Mika Salo, subbing for Michael Schumacher, had his one and only chance to win a Grand Prix, but relinquished the lead to Irvine. He claims not to regret this. In 2001, Ralph Schumacher won for Williams BMW. Though the race is remembered for the start-line crash that saw Luciano Berti launched into the air, miraculously coming away unscathed. Nelson Piquet and Elisao Salazar were to create some iconic footage after Salazar got in the way of race leader Piquet, taking both drivers out of the race. Piquet got out and launched into a display of crazy karate on Salazar. And let us not forget Felipe Fernando is faster than you from 2010. Of the current drivers, only Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton have won in Germany, though Vettel is remembered for crashing out of the lead last year. In 2000, we saw a drunk walking onto the old Long Hockenheim Straight, wearing some kind of sheet or cape with messages written all over it, making a statement to the Mercedes Group. At the time, Mika Hakkinen and David Coulthard were looking like scoring a one-two for McLaren Mercedes, but this interruption was to give the angry man his desired outcome. Rubens Barrichello was to come from way down the grid in his Ferrari to take a gamble on slicks in the rain, and in the dying stages of the race, sobbed his way to victory. In 1994, after the controversial British Grand Prix, in which Michael Schumacher had been up to no good and was subsequently disqualified, he was also set to miss the German Grand Prix due to further penalties. Well, in Germany there were riots. During the days between the British and German Grand Prix. Organizers received threats to the circuit and the actual event if Mr. Schumacher did not race. To prove their sincerity, fires were set off on the track and rubbish was dumped as a warning. Interestingly, Schumi was allowed to race. Mark Webber was to score his first win in Formula One in 2009 at the Nurburgring circuit, rattling Vettel's cage by taking his first career pole too. He was to bump and grind with Barrichello on the pit straight and get a pit lane penalty. Such was Weber's pace and state of mind that day that it made no difference. Patrick Tombe, who had been hired by Ferrari after Gilles Villeneuve's death, 
was to take an emotional first career win in the 1982 race, famously carrying the number 27 of Gilles on his car. But it was an emotional race for more than one reason. Teammate Didier Peroni was looking set to win the title, but suffered horrific career-ending injuries in a practice crash. In 1996, Gerhard Berger was looking to score his first win in his second stint for the Benetton team. With only three laps to go, his engine blew, giving the win to Damon Hill. As for Hill, he had experienced a very similar thing in 1993, when leading and getting a puncture right at the end of the race, giving Alain Prost his 51st and last career win. As for Berger, he would get his 10th and final career win in 1997. Well, that's it for Moments in Time on the Inside Line. Catch you later. Thank you so much, Lucien. That was very interesting as always. Kunal, it's time for you to tell us your predictions. Well, Mercedes will win the Mercedes German Grand Prix. Now, as if we did not have an overdose of Mercedes already. <laughs> the German Grand Prix is sponsored by Mercedes. Basically, Mercedes is the reason why the German Grand Prix exists on the calendar. So technically, they've bought the rights to bore us all the way to victory. <laughs> The things money can buy. Boredom, yes. But hopefully we've entertained you this week on the Inside Line F1 podcast. We will be back in the week between Germany and Hungary. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye-bye. Adios. Join host Gene Marks in our Paychecks Business Series podcast as he talks with real business owners and experts about real issues, including business innovation, navigating the road to recovery, and finding ways to thrive in the future. From politicians to marketing gurus and social media experts, we've got great guests such as Rich Rowell, Vice President of Small Business at Facebook, Meredith Schmidt, Executive Vice President, General Manager of Salesforce Essentials, and SMB at Salesforce, former 2020 Democratic Presidential Candidate Andrew Yang, and more. Listen and subscribe at paychecks.com slash business series.